Move over, Buffy. There's a new badass in town. Today I am here with Zoe Kavanagh, writer, director, producer, many, many other One things of them, yeah. from uh, Demon Hunter, or, or Taron Bark and Demon Hunter as it was when I first uh, yeah. knew it, but it is now officially just Demon Hunter. Yeah, that was... Uh uh, yeah, that was one of the that the title that was the closing title that the distribution company settled on. Um, I had called the Tarnbark a Demon Hunter, and I t- still think it's a slightly better title. It's it's a Google friendlier title, but they chose that, and I figured I I wasn't gonna disagree because I wanted the film to come out yeah, as absolutely. soon as possible. You know, um, and as many other producers on it as well, Constant Motion Pictures produced it. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, uh, the whole franchise itself, well, the idea of Actually, why don't you introduce me? So, like, for anyone who doesn't know, who hasn't seen Demon Hunter yet, give me the, the, ba- the basic story. Okay, so uh, Demon Hunter is about a girl called Taryn Barker, who, uh, when she was younger, her little sister. Uh, she never brought her home from school and uh, she went missing, she got abducted Taran took responsibility to search the streets for her 12 year old sister, eventually she found her in this abandoned oil factory and her sister died in her arms uh, plagued by grief and guilt she searches for revenge and she f- falls into the hands of a satanic cult who trick her, dupe her into saying that they'll help her get revenge and unfortunately they, they try to use her as a as like a martyr for possession and sacrifice and halfway through the possession she gets rescued by demon hunters and so she has powers, she's half demon half human, she could summon uh, uh, and so she, when she's rescued she's trained to stand up and fight crime, fight monsters hidden in our society you know, pl- you know plain sight and uh, so the film itself is like it takes place in present day and uh, she's brought for interrogation and uh, is she guilty is she not you know and the film kind of ties with fantasy and cop thriller at the same time yeah like it kind of opens with like a real bravado set piece where um but we're started almost immediately with an action scene yeah. that, that involves you know a Highlander-esque moment shall we say um well like I think tonally, like the way you describe that film, it could be many different things. Like, do you think the comparisons to something like Buffy is it in that world? You know, like what what sort of what sort of film do you think this film is? Well, um, I, I definitely like. There's not many comparative films of its type. You know, the only films we could really resource from when writing it. I mean, the biggest influences on that film is Highlander and The Terminator, and uh, maybe if few other films like you know maybe a bit of style from more James Cameron things um but I, I guess uh Buffy would probably fall into an element of inspiration but she's certainly not Buffy because she has a bit more of an angsty uh broken melodrama to her you know um but the, a lot of influence from 80s films uh and then emotionally in, influenced by metal music and um, I guess The Crow. Uh, you know, Actually, was, yeah, The Crow was, was definitely stuck out to me as being like, you know, a personal favourite as well. Do you think, like, I guess, who, who, who's this, who is your audience for this film, you know? Uh, 15-year-olds and uh, people that go see action 
horror films. People like to play games like Resident Evil and Devil May Cry and people that like darker superhero films and then everyone else in between that, you know, the broad spectrum of things. You know, it'd be cool to see, like, because uh, it's a strong female or all that, like, you'd probably get, hopefully would get more females attracted to it, you know, because generally, uh, you know, stuff like that doesn't, it, it's more like, a, I don't know, 70% male, 30% female audience, you know, but... Uh, no, but exactly, like, because I think, I think you're definitely right about female characters from it, but, it, like, you, what I think Demon Hunter, like... You're right, it's not a very common thing. As it sets out to have like these very dark elements and obviously a very troubled uh, protagonist at the centre of it, but also entertaining, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a great sense of fun in it. Um, and, you know, I don't know, you're, you, you want your, your audience to enjoy the film. I think it's not just like, I'm going to put you through this vicious, really dark journey. It's actually, I want you to have a great time. Exactly. That's the point. I mean, what's, what's funny about the film, uh, we did do pickups uh, and some reshoots because we wanted to balance, like there's, there's scenes that will be really bleak and then, then the next scene has a bit of black comedy in it to kind of relieve the tension, you know? Like, I mean, you'll have this sad scene, then the next scene there's someone trying to flirt with someone and it's a cop on another cop and it's just like awkward but it's funny you know and there's, uh, and there's these setup and payoffs that come in and play in the film it's dark sense of humour but you kind of need to you can, if you if you stay in a blue tone miserable mode throughout the whole film it gets dull it gets boring and you cannot connect with your audience I really feel there needs to be a bit of relief. Even Taron has a few puns in there. I mean, like, definitely influenced by the Evil Dead films. I guess Ash is probably one of the coolest action, action or horror heroes around. I mean, because he's just so clever with his jokes and they land so great, you know, and I kind of like, yeah, I guess that's a huge influence. If there was no Ashley J. Williams from Evil Dead, there'd be no Taron Barker, you know, and uh, I think comedy in doses action and horror and world building I think they're they're kind of your, your main elements to ingredients uh, to make a good cake well, absolutely and I think you know again it's something I'd like to see come back more into films even when you think of the great Carpenter films and everything is that like even with your really scary moments you have to have these moments that they just sort of let off the steam you know what I mean mm. and actually then allows you to build back up to more intensity um, the reason why I guess we're here talking today about Demon Hunter is because you are bringing it out mm-hmm. uh, in, into theatrical cinemas for, is, is it a one-day release, part of we? Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, mostly just a, a one-day. On June 6th, we're releasing it in uh, Movies at Dundrum, Movies at Swords. Uh, both, both those cinemas are at half eight, and then it's in the gate in Cork around six or half six. And, um, yeah, those tickets are on sale now. Um, it's really pushed fact that we're, we're doing a simultaneous release plan is to promote the film's release and push the dvd which hits uh that friday or that monday depending when when the shops take it but it's supposed to be june 12th demon hunter which you'll get nice extra features but yeah i mean that the plan is we're doing this completely uh the marketing is completely independent and uh pushed hard but it's well, this whole thing, like, this whole film for you has been, like, a passion project from the beginning. Like, you've made this whole film outside the system, am I right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so, briefly, without getting too much into it, can you give me a little bit of a sense of, well, firstly, where you got the idea from and how you pulled it off? Um, 
Well, I, like originally, like I came to the idea about nine years ago. I was uh, I was just drawing a picture with like chalk and uh, and colors, and uh, I was listening to like a band called Demon Hunter, and I was just like the song was called My Heart Strings Come Undone, and I was like, oh, it's so emotional, and I was drawing it. I was like, come up with characters. I was like, this makes sense. I was like, what is the worst thing that can happen to her? A little sister or something bad thing, and then she fights demons. Okay, great. I have a world. I can I can do this. And then I was through listening to rock music and drawing a picture. I came up with the character, and then from then I made a no budget short, which wasn't that great, but I think that helped me evolve the character and know where it was going to be when it was gone. So it's a demon hunter short. I made a demon hunter short. Yeah. Okay. In two thousand and eight, it's a different actress playing the role, and it was. Uh, it's a bit more I guess the filmmaking is a bit more amateurish when you don't have any money and I was shot mini DV which some people like mini DV but but they, 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 I guess the elements were in there you know in place before you know like I, I did figure and I remade re, rebooted my own thing you know because I knew where I went wrong and I wanted to make it right and so then uh, I'd written a script called uh, Demon Hunter Retribution which was this big Empire Strikes Back epic, like uh, Shakespearean action horror film where like she finds out who kills her sister and all this big family tragedy. And uh, you couldn't make that movie. You need a lot of money. So I walked backwards. I teamed up with Tony Flynn and we, uh, we wrote a web series, which we tried for RT Storyland, but you know, it didn't work out. So we turned it into a, a feature which what was really handy at bringing a prequel to Retribution was that I knew the world, we knew the world, and uh, became a very tight film. Like, when you watch the film, there's all these characters come and go, but it's kind of intentionally to kind of say, oh, you're dropped in the middle of a bigger thing, you know? And uh, yeah, so, I mean, developing, that's how I developed it, and then financing it, I actually financed it myself. I had a few little bits of extra help here and there, but 90, Five percent of the money, it's seventy k. I think it's gone up to how much it costs. Is all my own cash. Like I just worked, 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 put it all took a lot now, and just really wants to make the film as professional as possible, and make it look as expensive as possible. Which it certainly does. Like there's no question. Like you know, I think probably for a lot of for listeners as well. Like a lot of people at the moment are operating in the what's called a no budget world, but obviously seventy thousand isn't no budget. But <laughs> when you're competing with bigger things. It, it, it's not a lot. When you see that a lot of sh- film board shorts can mm. be made for a similar amount and it's like 10 or 15 minutes it's two people sitting in a kitchen. You have yeah. motorbikes flying around the place. You've got fight scenes. You have special effects. You have, you know, the, like a, a demon with his spine exposed. <laughs> like, you know, you've got it, like some wonderful mansion. I think it's down in Offaly, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, uh, so, you know, all of these things, when you... There must have been an element of fear when you were putting that money behind it. Not that you didn't believe in the idea but just, can I actually pull this off with this amount of money? There was. There was a few instances where I was worried. I mean, uh, we did, in 2013, we tried to make half the film, and about a good portion of the shoot, our generator died when we were down in uh, Slane, and uh, so we lost a lot of footage on that day, which gave us time to think about what went wrong, what what went right, and uh, then when I had planned to shoot in 2014, the bulk of the film, a few actors had dropped out, particularly my lead, and as someone else, I mean, contracts mean nothing in the independent scene. 
people can betray contracts unfortunately and you don't have the cash to kind of stand up to that so like I mean that's kind of a problem but luckily I, I was blessed with Neve Hogan she dived into the role does her own stunts she learned all the lines she didn't have to take any advice from me she just knew the character you know so well and um, I had great production team and uh, art department producers uh, yeah Did, how much of that footage survives from the the 2013 shoot like how much of that the film is actually in, in the final film there is probably about 12 minutes of stuff we shot previously like the stuff of the back of the previous actress there might be some uh, really? So actually, you, you yeah. reshot some of the, and you actually put it together. Yeah, there's a when she searches for her sister. Yeah. Um, most of that when she goes runs towards the um, the building and up the stairs. That's a different actress all the way up until she finds her. And when she holds her in her hands, that's Neve. And when she uh, Neve did a did a fill in of mm. a, like a face one when 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 she finds the bracelet. But yeah, I mean, I I was so lucky that most of those shots were like shot the way they were you know it was just it was so lucky like but i think you have to because again when you're working with such restrictions and being as ambitious as you were with this film you know you really have to be that resourceful don't you there there there's an element of i think other people who are used to operating with more money and better resources in those situations will kind of either crumble or think there's no way around this or we're just going to have to reshoot everything and actually the kind of the cutthroat kind of determination of an independent filmmaker who goes look what do we have? Mm. What can we do? And how can we make this work? Like, I, I can't see any other way you could have made this film work. Yeah, exactly. And I know that when we went back to, in September 2014 to shoot the film, we shot for three weeks, uh, the bulk of the film, and we've fixed in remaking scenes because we have to recast. I had finished an edit of the film by Christmas of 2014, and I looked back on the film and I felt I needed more action. I needed more pace. I needed to improve on like a massacre scene. And so in the following year, a few months later, I saved up some cash and I, my plan was to extend some character bits and add more action and trim out all, trim down all the other scenes just to make the film really fast paced. Because um, you, 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 you edited this with one other person, is it? Or? Uh, yeah, I edited the bulk of the film uh, myself uh, on Adobe Premiere and then Seamus Hanley came in towards the back end as second eyes to kind of give me like that kind of let's tweak this he had a few cut techniques you know ideas like oh let's trim this that way and that that and uh, the stylish end title sequence for the end credits was him which is really good yeah it's a great ending to have <laughs> on great, actually that, that brings me on to the music of this film like I think one thing that really troubles very low budget films is having a score or a soundtrack how did you get these songs where are they from i literally like i like right half the songs were written for the film and then we just got home did the score my bands added two songs and then uh i just love a lot of independent artists i love the new retro wave synth wave music and i love a lot of goth bands and, and one of the bigger bands on the soundtracks julian k which they're on soundtracks to underworld and transformers and all that but i just i i guess i'm good at reaching out to certain people you know and uh cut down and get a reasonable fee off them a license fee i mean it, there's ways of getting these things i want ever since then i know how to get songs on soundtracks it was costly the soundtrack was quite costly itself but um half the half the songs were written for the film like 
Lynched on the Bike, uh, Her Vengeance, that one's uh, my band. And uh, Eneve herself sings the funeral scene. I thought song. she was credited yeah. on it, yeah. Yeah, she sings the song at the funeral, which is kind of funny because it's like an element of a musical at, at a moment, you know. And where did you find Eve? Uh, she found us. Like, mm. I mean, I put out a casting call and we got hundreds of emails of people just trying to, uh, who wanted to play the role when it, it, was, it was opened up, you know. And I had to go through loads of them, and it was between her and someone else, and uh, eventually uh, it ended up to be Neve, you know, so lucky. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think, like, she's been getting great notices as well, which actually brings me on to the incredible success you've had on the festival circuit. So, like, a lot of films, when they're made for this, you know, next-to-no-budget money are with, you know, shall we say, inexperienced producers, being yourself like trying to get it out there and trying to get it found like finding a path for that and carving a path for your film and I think carving is a good word because it actually almost has to be a work of force it's not something that just gently parts ways and say hey this is how your film's going to get yeah, yeah. out there how did you approach the festivals and can you tell us about some of the festivals and the successes you've had okay so I I put aside a bit of cash and I submitted to like I probably submitted to hundreds of festivals um first few months was uh, rejections left right and center and you start to worry then as most filmmakers do is my film any good luckily at the time of submitting in 20 late 2015 2016 uh i was still tweaking the film so i mean i could i kept fine-tuning it out you know worried that is it is it does it suck you know because i'm not getting into any festivals is this bad and then, uh, just as soon as the film was just about finished 100%, uh, we started getting into some, you know, we got accepted into Fright Night Film Fest, and then we started getting into all these other international ones. And uh, yeah, it then started to pick up. But at the same time, it's tough because uh, you need to, it's a learning lesson. Like, I mean, it was my first time submitting a film to festivals. I've never done it before. And it's it can be mortifying. I you just need to know what festivals to submit to, and we it, you know we all uh, we end up going to the Fright Night Film Fest, the Horror Hound uh, in uh, in Ohio, and uh, is that it, where I saw a picture of you with Lloyd Kaufman? Yeah, I was hanging out with Lloyd Kaufman, <laughs> <laughs> and we were at a panel together. It was great, like and I won Best Director at that, so that was that was pretty awesome. I remember being at Fright Night Film Fest, and we were just hanging there at the awards, and we were like. We're not going to win anything. We travel all the way here. We're not going to win anything. And we just kept winning awards. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? But then, like, considering, like, I think that there's a real important lesson in that because, as you were saying, how did you deal with that rejection of your film? Because, like, it's a very strange world we live in now where actually a hundred people, thousand people can tell you your film is crap and you still have to somehow persevere beyond that and then find that there are people who actually go, that's not just okay. That's mm. great. We love it. We want to give you an award for it. Like, how did you get through that? Because I, all those rejections, we've all been there on Film Freeway or without a box, yeah. and you know they come in after, and you're just kind of going, "This is all costing me money." Yeah. Like, how did you keep going? Because um, I, I really knew the. I, I felt the film was good. I, I watching it as an outsider. What's good about the film to me is it has my style, but it has it's rewatchable. It's fun. And you, you wouldn't mind watching it again because it's it's a bang for your buck, like. And I, I think the people that latched onto it got the strong, uh, you know, strong female character, got the world of it. And the people that don't like it, it it's like, it is interesting because you either like these films and if you don't like the film, 
you're giving it one star. I've gotten like 10, 10 reviews in total, let's just say, and the average is like a seven out of 10. And there's like two one star reviews, you know, two or three. And I'm just like, well, there you go. I, I don't get what their agenda is for the one star. It's definitely not one star. I mean, you know, uh, Bordemic's probably one star. But even at that, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, I, I have major issues with anyone on IMDb who either even giving giving ten or one. I'm like, yeah. you're having a laugh. It's just you know, you're you're impressing no one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and I, I I just I think the thing is, it is tough. There's a lot of films being made, and you you're swimming tr- with a lot of fish trying to get to the surface. And uh, the only way you're gonna do is to keep pushing. Unfortunately, it's a it's a lot of money losing money. But if you really believe in the film, you just have to keep pushing it. But that's the hard thing as well, though, because, like, I would argue that, like, it's that hard thing of knowing when to stop, shall we say, with the festivals, because each festival costs money, and, like, for anyone who submitted these things, whether it's shorts or features, those fees add up very, very quickly when you're, even if you go to 10 festivals, you can be talking oh, yeah. 500 euro up to 1,000 euro even, because some of the, the bigger ones are, are even more expensive, but, of course, if you hadn't kept pushing, all that first couple of festivals you submitted to would have been from nothing, and the film went nowhere, and yet by maintaining so it's very hard to know when do you stop yeah that's the thing I think like I kind of stop now with this film because I feel like I got to the peak you know I, I proved my point you know it is a 7 out of 10 movie you know but like uh, yeah I was worried there was a point where you, you, you're like should I stop now I'm not getting into any but I think you, the, the point you stop is the point you get into good festivals. You need to just keep throwing until you get in. You need to prove to people that the film you made was good. You know, you didn't work that hard for nothing. And there's so much in it. Like, I mean, there's not really other Irish films that try to shoot in castles and power stations and, you know, rooftop sword fights. I mean, you know, you can look back and most people don't really do a good job. I mean, you got your fatal deviations and you got your disasters. But, you know, I, I feel like I believed in, in, in te- you know, showing these cool locations in Ireland while also building a world. Yeah, okay, well, I think Worlds is an important thing because actually, like, the mythology feels very strong. And, so, and in many ways, it does feel like the first chapter in something. And whether that's more films or, like, a TV show or comic books, I don't know. But it just feels like the way you've written this world, I feel like you know it. Mm. You know what I mean? The way everyone meets and talks and everything, it feels like there's, there's probably more to all of these people. Like, what, what is your, your hope or, or your, what would you like to see? Go on, like... I'd love to make six films in total because I have six stories as films, but I'd be happy to make three because it really rounds out with three. Uh, like, the second film's a really big bridge. Uh, like, I just hope to just expand. There's so many places we didn't go yet with, with Taryn and with the fourth film. When we shot the fourth film, I mean, our character still being rounded out and it was only when we are coming through the pickups with, with the one-liners to start to realise how kind of funny she was you know and so there's this edge of like cheeky cynical got humor that she has and i think like that would be pushed harder in the next one because you know only when the film got made i fully realized who she was and uh i know already know where our world is but i know how to uh, i just really want to tell it i want people to check it out because it's so Cool. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And like you, you've had some, some great supporters. So like uh, you got a great write-up from Donald Clark in the Irish Times the other day. There's like, you know, you're getting these reviews coming in from people who are actually, I don't know what, how to say, like it, it can be very hard to entice people in, in the, say, the mainstream media to give films a chance. Like you said, there's so much stuff being made. I don't necessarily blame them. Like, you know, can 
you talk about how important that is uh, to you or to the film, getting like these top reviewers to actually look at your film and praise it. <laughs> yeah, getting praise, uh, you know, like it's shocking, like especially from like top critics. Uh, and to, to me, it, it is it is important. Like, I mean, you need, you need people to discover the film. You need people to trust your film. And the thing about in Ireland, I mean, unless you're getting these type of reviews, people don't trust you or your film. They think they, they, because they've been burnt out by a lot of Irish cinema. And I feel like the Irish independent scene is getting, getting the backlash of that. And there's a lot of great talent in this country that is going, going but unnoticed because of the lack of proper marketing or support from it. And I really feel like that needs to change now, you know? What do you think is it, like anything that jumps to mind you think we could do that would actually help change that? I think uh, whatever organisations that are in charge in Ireland of supporting, uh, supporting cinema, Irish cinema, needs to actually look at the films and see the merits of the style of the director, of the concept of the film, of the marketability of the film, more so than what does it represent for the culture of the country. We need to, we need to compete with the other countries. All the other countries are making genre films. All the other countries are making superhero films. All the other countries... Uh, you know, like I mean, it's 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 fine for us to bring in Hollywood to shoot TV shows over here, but what about the Irish towns that want to make these types of films? Why can't they have a shot? We all we we've all went to college, we've all gotten degrees. Give but us a shot. I agree. I think there's no reason why every genre can't be served within an Irish setting, like you know. And I think yeah. maybe that is just a, you know, maybe the independent scene is a little quicker to adapt and to kind of realize these things, and hopefully those things will grow because. It does, for me, I feel any film made by an Irish person or with an Irish crew or anything will inherently have Irish culture in it. Not necessarily mm. deliberately, but like I'm an Irish person, if I write a script, obviously I'm putting my experience in there. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't think you should have to justify it beyond that. Like, it's like you don't ask a painter why he paints yeah, fields. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't question the integrity yeah, of that. Exactly. Um, but no, absolutely. Okay, so you've gotten the great reviews. Obviously, you've had incredible success in the festivals. Demon Hunter, what dates are coming out on? Um, in cinemas, uh, June 6th, book your tickets now, and on DVD and VOD, it'll be on June 12th. Now, VOD, it'll be on almost every platform from what I know. Like, I mean, you'll find it on your Google Play, I think your Virgin, your Sky, pay-per-view, and uh, all other accessible ones. I think in the UK, they've got PlayStation, doing rent movies on that, and Xbox, I don't know, but over here, maybe PS4 can do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'll be able to find uh, anywhere and everything by, by around that time. So it'll be available to everyone on VOD, but big call out to anyone who can try and make it to those cinema screenings. Yeah, like, like make it to the cinema screen. Show show the people, show show the Irish film industry that you want to see something new. You know, make noise and maybe perhaps, you know, it'll encourage us to make more fantasy horror films or fantasy action or genre, you know. So support it like yeah no I think that there's definitely a bit of a, an onus and a pressure on us all to probably make a bit more effort to actually to be at these screenings so that because I, I'm not sure everyone's aware until you've actually made a film how hard it is even to get it screened once like <laughs> let alone even getting into festivals and everything like it people sort of seem to think you just sort of like submit it and it just gets put into cinemas and everything it's just not the case so the amount of work an independent film does to even get a one-day release is actually probably comparable to someone who's doing a massive release with all their things, you know, because you've just, you've got no resources and everything like that. So 
if you want to support independent film, if you're interested in this type of film, but even if you're not, I think like we've all got to start getting out there and supporting each other and giving each other a chance and making these films a success. And you're right, trying to show that there is an audience for these kind of things. Yeah. Zoe, any final words? Um, hey ho, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, thanks so much. I wish you all the success with Taron Barker, sorry, Demon Hunter. Uh, and with future films and I'm sure we'll have you back on for a bit more information about how you made the film awesome thank you